Hey, 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 guys, it's Laura with Fight Like a Girl Always, a Survivor's Tale. Welcome back for episode eight. Woo! Welcome back, guys. So, let's discuss things that have happened over the last few days, few weeks. Again, bouncing back from being kind of in a dark place mentally for a while. Um, Again, I just want to put out my excitement for the Southeastern or Southern Eastern um, Idaho Pride Festival in Pocatello this upcoming Saturday, June 17th at the Caldwell Park there in Pocatello. So excited. This is my first event, guys, first event. So I'll be doing Oracle tarot card readings, um, selling crystal bags, uh, my daughter and son-in-law are going to be selling their bucket hats. We're just, we're ready to go and just have some fun. Super excited. They're going to have um, drag performances and uh, and lots of music. Just excited. Excited to go. Excited to be there. And, of course, Pocatello is where my heart is always at. I love Pocatello. So, um, just our disclaimer. Fight Like a Girl, A Survivor's Tale does not condone violence in any form. Uh, let's give out some resources. National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. National Suicide Hotline is 988, and you can either call that or text it. Child Help is 1-800-422-4453. And for the LGBTQI community, there is an, uh, a, a, a resource called The Network Law Red, and it's 1-800-832-1901. And then, guys, you can go to find these resources and listen to the podcasts and um, contact me with your stories at Fight Like a Girl. A-L-W-A dot W-I-X dot S-I-T-E dot com forward slash my hyphen site. So fight like a girl, A-L-W-A dot Wix site dot com forward slash my hyphen site. Um, yeah, go there. Send me your stories, guys, because, you know, I'm a really, like, talkative person and just doesn't mind throwing my life out there, but I'm going to run out of stuff, man. I need some more. I need to share stories so that we can be a community together and help support each other. Um, yeah. So let's do it. Come on. Email me your stuff. Um, I don't have to use your real name. You know, I can, um, oops, sorry. My phone was going off. Um, I can, uh, just take out your name, whatever you would like. So yes, email me at fight like a girl always at gmail.com or go on to um, my website and you can submit a form through contact. So let's move forward. I'm going to talk more about um, my religious or my 
uh, cult life, PTSD, trauma, abuse that I uh, experienced over my years as being an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And where we left off was how my dad humiliated me and, and you know, all the guilt, you know, that that church brings upon you. So I'd like to share my times of going through the temple and I'm not going to go into great deal of what they do in the temple only because I do believe that, you know, they, that what goes on there, it is definitely secret. I don't care what they say. I know they say sacred over secret. I don't feel like exposing or um, blurting out some of the things that go on in there. I know I've seen on TikTok, you know, the, the clothing that you have to wear in there, which is overwhelming, to be honest with you. Um, and that there are like secret handshakes and stuff or symbols. So I don't want to go too much into those because I do believe that as a group or as a person, um, I don't feel like running that stuff through the mud or, or anything like that because this is about my experiences and it's not fair. I don't think it's fair to blurt that stuff out. So in 1992, don't ask me what month, because I can't remember that far back. Um, I went through the temple for the first time. My mom had not gone through, so it was just me going in and, and going through the temple. So when you go through the temple the first time, you have there's so many there's so many hoops. So first, you have to meet with your bishop and again confess anything that may not be deemed worthy that may keep you out of the temple. So and during high school years, I used to stop for coffee and my parents didn't know and I didn't care. I love coffee. I have always loved coffee. And so before I could go through the temple, I had to stop drinking the coffee. I had to confess that to my bishop. Um, and keep in mind, and I think actually I went through in 1991, sorry. Um, at this time too, remember, I've not met Vince. I, I just was... I don't know. I, I feel like I was pressured to go through the temple because I was at this time also being pressured to become a missionary for the church and what a great honor that would bring to my family. And, and so all these things were being like pushed down on me. Um, this is the way you need to go. If you want your family to, to, you know, to be not prestigious, but this is the way that you can honor your family. So I, I said, okay, okay, I'll go through the temple. Um, I had an escort, a dear woman that I love very much. And, um, you go to, so there's different things. So you, you enter the temple that, that day, the day that you're going to receive your endowment. And by this time you've met with the Bishop, confessed all your sins second level interview with the state president. So if there's anything you left out in your confession to the bishop, you now have a second time, a second opportunity to confess your sins to somebody who's even higher than the bishop, a member of the state presidency. 
Um, they ask you basically the same questions. You know, are you worthy? Um, do you believe in the prophet? Do you support the prophet? Um, you know, do you pay your tithing? Um, all these things. And so, you know, you, I've confessed now everything that I felt like I needed to confess. Um, and then as you go into the temple that day, guess what? You have another opportunity to confess your sins. This time to the matron, because you're a woman. So you, so you um, meet with the matron, who is the wife of the president of the temple. And you again have an opportunity to confess your sins to the matron. Um, they not only do you do that, but you also get like a rundown of like what's going to go on that day and um, the meaning and symbolism behind it. So this day, and I want to say, I went to the LA temple and I'll say it was beautiful on the inside. The murals, beautiful. And up until this point, as a young person, you can go to the temple to do baptisms for the dead, um, which is a whole nother can of worms. Um, and I re I'm just going to insert a little thing here. I remember going as a youth to do this at the L.A. Temple. And I don't know if anybody's ever seen the L.A. LDS Temple, but it's on this huge hill off Santa Monica Boulevard. And I remember one time I commented to my leaders I just want to roll down this hill because remember I said I was porky. I was outgoing and I literally just wanted to roll down that hill, lay down and rolled. And Oh my gosh, you would think that I just unleashed a whole hound. I got a talking to that was like how disrespectful you are on temple grounds and why are you saying these things? And Oh, it was just, it was a nightmare. So um, back to the day I go into the temple. So I remember walking in that day and looking at the hill and thinking, I just want to roll down the hill. <laughs> so even at like 21, that was, I wanted to roll down the hill. So um, I get into the temple. I have my, my temple recommend that the bishop and state president have now signed because they deemed me worthy in the eyes of the Lord. And so I went into the temple and I had my little packet, which consisted of this clothing that you have to wear while you're in the temple. Um, and I know you guys have seen pictures of it and it does look strange. Um, so I remember bringing in my little packet and I was so excited my first time and, and I was free of sin and, and I was just like, yeah, this is the biggest point of my life, the summit of my life, of my life. And so I went in, met with the matron, um, changed into my temple dress and then went to the washing and anointing. Okay. They have since changed it. But I remember standing there and as another sister, that's what we, that's what they call each other. If you're a woman or brother, if you're a man would dip their fingers into water and touch different parts of my body. Okay. You're naked under this robe that you have to wear and they wash and anoint you. And this is like, I think, believe the equivalent of like, if you were going to a Catholic church and you would have holy water. Um, 
And I remember them touching me and I felt so uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. Like really, really uncomfortable. And I was so glad when they were done. Cause I remember thinking, please just wrap this up. Let's, I don't like this. I did not like this, but the amount of pressure that you, that was placed on me to go to the temple, get my endowment and to go on a mission. It, the pressure was so heavy, so heavy. Um, at that time, you know, I look back and you know, yeah, this was something that I wanted to do because I wanted to please my family. I wanted to do what was expected of me. Um, and I'm going to insert another thing right now real quick. As the oldest child in the family that I was raised in, I had great responsibility. Number one, I was always deemed the good daughter, which brings so much trauma in itself that you have to get over because you can never feel like it, you're, if you do something wrong, it's like the end all. So I was being an example to my brother and sister and to those around me by going to the temple for the first time. So I'm there, I get a washed, washed and anointed, and then it's time to go put back on your, your now special Mormon underwear that you get to wear. Um, they're usually, so there's different types that you can get. So either you can get like a one piece and the back end just splits. So if you go to the toilet, you just sit down and it splits open, which I did not like. Um, or you can get like bottoms and tops. So, you know, I got my special underwear, I had packages and packages. I brought the one pair that I was going to wear that day. And I remember thinking when I put those on, there's no support in this for my flab. That's the one th I felt like I had no support to keep my flab in place and to keep it under control. I hated wearing the garments. Okay. I hated it. And so, I mean, other girls my age were not wearing garments. <laughs> so anyways, I went through the endowment session and I felt so uncomfortable and like out of place because there's a lot of things that you have to do during the endowment session. You have to remember all these handshakes, all these things that you're doing and I was struggling I and I began to sweat profusely because I was getting stressed my anxiety was going up I didn't feel like I was keeping up with everybody else and it just the amount of pressure of going through that ceremony and you escalate from like one room to the next room to the next room and then to the final room and you have to do different things in each room and I just remember thinking when is this going to end I need this to stop I am overwhelmed I am full of anxiety I need this to stop there's nowhere to run guys once you're in the middle of that shit, there is nowhere to run. They do give you the opportunity in the first room. Again, here's a fourth opportunity. If you feel like you are unworthy to be here, either the matron or the, the brother member will escort you out. So they're just like making you think, I mean, it literally makes you second guess yourself.
over and over and over. Do I have another sin to confess? Oh my gosh. Should I tell them about the, the candy flavored or the coffee flavored candy that I had? Oh my gosh. And so you have that first opportunity, but then you progress. Okay. Sorry. I get going on a tangent. So you move from room to room. And the last room, I got to admit, each room is beautiful, but the last room, the celestial room, is an amazing place. I wish everybody had the opportunity to go into the temple. I hate that you have to meet all this criteria before you go in. Um, when I went, when all through the, my life, when I'd go through the, go to the temple, um, the celestial room was my favorite because I could sit there and connect with my deity. It's basically like a meditation room to me now that I look back, right? I created my own meditation area here. And it is similar to that because you sit there, you still your mind and you just sit there and think and talk with your, you know, in your head with either to me. Now I look back, I'm like my higher self, my deity, you know, you're getting grounded, yada, yada. So I, I always loved going into the celestial room for that, for that reason. Um, it just, I don't know. It, it is like the meditation that I do now. It's just, they made it seem like this is something that only a worthy LDS member ever gets to experience, which is bullshit. Like I said, I do this in my home. I, there's so much that I'm just like, I call bullshit on it. So anyways, um, I get done with, you know, my meditation, whatever. And you have sisters and brothers in the celestial room that are watching you as you meditate. This is another thing. It's disturbing on so many levels. And if they see that you're crying, they're immediately at your feet with a Kleenex box. Okay. Appreciate the, the, gesture but if i'm sitting there alone crying i don't want somebody to come into my space i always felt like somebody was all constantly coming into my space um i hated it i hate it because i feel like meditation and connecting with oneself and one higher self and and your deity that's personal and if somebody steps in to, you're breaking that con that conversation and concentration but also they're invading your privacy. That's how I feel too. The whole thing is invading your privacy. Starts with that washing and anointing, getting touched inappropriately to being touched by all these people doing all these things like the handshakes and stuff. And then to the end. So as I came out of the temple, Oh my gosh, here comes my mom just running and crying. Cause remember she has not been deemed worthy to go through the temple yet. And, um, I just remembered that I was taken out for a special dinner and I just did the greatest thing in my life. So I go after the temple, you know, for the next few weeks and stuff, here comes the pressure of being an LDS missionary. Oh my gosh. This is what, this is kind of how this conversation went with my mom. And keep in mind, like I said, my dad was not like super active. So this conversation with him wasn't all, he was not like pressuring me to go do this. So here's my mom 
the bishop, the state president, yeah, my young women leaders, you know, the Relief Society, and they're just like, you're going on a mission. You're going to go on a mission. We're so happy for you. You're going on a mission. You're go- you need to go on a mission. You need to be the example for those around you. You need to do this. Not, Laura, what would you like to do? Not once was I asked, Laura, what would you like to do? Instead, it was these expectations being set and the desire was not there. Sure, I thought like, gosh, if I got called to Germany or if I got called to all these exotic places, right, I would just be in heaven. That was my, my thought on it was I get to travel. <laughs> so when I did not go on my mission, because 1992 is when I met Vince at the beginning of 1992, February, um, oh gosh, then came you know, the guilt and the shame and everything um, for not going on my mission. And then like we discussed in the previous one, the the shame of, you know, premarital sex and, and drinking and things like this. So I guess everybody's trauma is different, you know, when you go through the temple or whatever, or maybe it's not traumatic at all, um, but it was very triggering and traumatic for me. Um, being touched inappropriately brought back rushed in all those feelings of what my dad did to me. Um, but you can't verbalize those things while you're in there. Even like, okay, so part of the, like, when you go in to confess your sins and stuff, you know, I didn't say anything about what my dad had done to me because of the shame I felt. But I also had this overwhelming feeling from like listening to general conference talks and stuff that, you know, it was my fault that these things had happened to me. And so getting that washing and anointing that triggered that, that trauma for me big time. And these are the, this took me a long time to get over. Like, the trauma from it all, it just, it took time. And every time I went through the temple, then through the years that I remained active, you know, it, like I said, the washing anointing did change. You, they didn't touch you inappropriately anymore. It was done differently. Um, it's still, I never felt like I fit in. I always felt rushed. I always had so much anxiety I would literally get done with an endowment session and for somebody that had passed on who had was did not give consent for these things to happen. Um, I would get sick and end up in the bathroom. And that's a whole nother basket of worms too, the doing the work for the dead. And hopefully I remember to discuss that in another podcast. My memory's like a squirrel, but um so things did change, but I always felt uncomfortable and like I didn't fit in. I didn't really like going to the temple. Number one, I didn't feel like it was right to do work for people that had passed on and not given consent. I also just did not like the heaviness and the pressure that I always felt. And everybody in my space and 
yeah, I just, it just was not for me. And so that's my experience with my first time through the temple and, and the PTSD and different things that that brought me. But this is now going to close for this session. But again, you guys reach out to the resources. If you know somebody that's being abused or um, a child, a woman, um, you know, anybody that's being abused, please help them. Please recognize the signs. And they may say, no, I don't want your help. But at least ask. If you see, if you hear a friend talking that's really depressed, instead of like turning your other cheek, offer the 988 and so you can text them. Be a listening ear. Help people where you can. This world has lost so much humanity and love and respect for others. It's, it's in such a dark area and change can begin with you. You just need to initiate it. Okay, so again, if you would like to share your stories, um, find the resources, go to my um, website, fightlikeagirlalwa.wixsite.com forward slash my hyphen site. Email me at fightlikeagirlalways at gmail.com. Please share, please uh, rate my podcast. The ratings is what helps it boost. So please, please help me this way. I want to get out and help others and um, just share this and reach out to people. And guys, I love you. Stay safe. Keep healing. And bye for now. <laughs>